Hello and welcome to Musical Pathways, the podcast which focuses on the different pathways musicians take in order to reach their musical goals. And today we're going to be talking to another teacher over here at Musical so that you can get to know us all a little bit better. Our guest today is a bassist and ukulele supreme. Today we have Musical's own parallel universe version of John Deacon. She's a vast amount of experience in both performing and recording, along with teaching at the Cornwall Music Service Trust. She's now joining us here at the team of Musical, teaching ukulele and bass. Today we have the awesome Miss Sean Kelly. <laughs> How's it going, Sean? That's quite the intro. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> yeah, I know. I got there eventually. <laughs> the rest will be cut out, I'm sure. <laughs> Um, so as I said at the top, we're going to have a look a bit at how you developed as a musician and how you kind of have progressed over your musical career to kind of get where you are now. Yep. Um, cool. And while we're doing that, we're going to probably take some stops and some sideway passages on all sorts of different things that you've done throughout your career as it's well. It's all about the pathways. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Trying to find the different routes we chose to get here. Um, but we're going to start off all the way back at the beginning, Sean. How did it start? How What role did music play in your life when you were really young? Maybe even before you started playing an instrument. Um, so my earliest musical experiences um, was being given, I got given a radio cassette player for, I think it was my fourth or my fifth birthday. And, um, That's old school. Uh, proper old school. I'm giving my age away here. And for some reason, my uncle decided that what a sort of four or five-year-old girl really, really needs is the Hot 100 Radio Bahrain top hits of the 60s and 70s. Bang Which I still have here, actually, as well. It was a six, six <laughs> cassette set. I've only got volumes two, three, and six because, you know, yeah. I was five. Yeah, yeah. I've lost most of them. Um, but it was just kind of listening to sort of all this old rock and pop and all these various things and just singing along mostly just singing along to the radio and discovering actually radio stations for myself because there's there's nothing like being a kid you just like twiddling the knobs and messing around with stuff and uh, having this radio cassette player I think it had um, AM and FM so there was all these stations just sitting there twiddling the knobs and seeing what came out and singing along to it really yeah I, I remember when I was like really young and like playing on my granddad's FM oh yeah and it had AM as well and because of where we are in Cornwall yep we used to pick up loads of like French yes. and Irish and like really different music. I remember like some of the music being so different and weird just because it was completely foreign Absolutely. to us, you know, like like some of the French stuff. Yeah, literally on a really good like, day, for whatever reason, on a really good day, really nice weather. I think just the radio waves just sort of carried further and you'd end up with all sorts. Yeah. It was really... Yeah. Really great fun. That's pretty awesome. So it mainly started out, were you singing a lot just kind of by yourself or was, were you, did you sing as part of your family or in school or um, anything like that? Or was it home, kind of just something you did at, at home? At home, it was very much just me, my cassette player, just having the time of my life singing along to stuff and all these old songs. Um, in school, we had obviously had school choir, so I'd sort of go along, took part in that. And the other thing I did in school, in primary school at least, was recorder. Sort of being in the eighties, everyone played oh, yeah. the recorder. So um, yeah, kind of did my did my time on the recorder. It's a classic, isn't oh, it's, it? Uh, <laughs> it's a classic. It's uh, something out there. <laughs> yeah, I got I got taught recorder by one of the teachers that works with us now, Mrs. Mann. Fantastic. She taught me the recorder. <laughs> yeah, Jan taught me the recorder when I was in oh, primary school. Fantastic. P- pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. I 
probably could not play anything on the recorder now. <laughs> I, it's quite funny. I did my GCSE music performance on treble recorder. So oh, really? It was, it was kind of a slightly weird journey because I sort of played it in primary school and I'd always sort of picked up bits and bobs throughout secondary school. Once I, once I hit secondary school, I started playing the flute. Yeah. And that was my first formal music tuition then was on the flute when I hit year seven. Um, and then sort of got to about year nine. I didn't, year I didn't even know you played the flute. I didn't even know you played. <laughs> my, do, you, do you play it very much anymore? I, or is I it, keep it like, very, very it quiet kind of and don't admit to these sort of things. So this right. is my, me yeah, bearing yeah, yeah. my soul now on this podcast. It's uh, <laughs> my secret is out there and I can never retract it. So yeah, everyone now knows. <laughs> I've got. I, I do still have a couple of flute students in um, one or two of my schools. It's the schools where there's only one kid that plays the flute, so it's easier for right. me to pick it up yeah, than yeah. send someone else in to do it sort of in the middle yeah, of nowhere yeah. So, Makes sense. yeah and then yeah treble recorder um a lot of the range of the treble recorder is the same as the flute so a lot of the music and right. the repertoire crosses over so yeah are either of your parents musical or? no not at all no <laughs> that's, i think that's so it's, funny what about grandparents yeah. is it like at all yeah, yeah, my, yeah. my granddad it did, on my did, it did this thing where it skipped I think so, it did yeah. the thing where it skipped over well, it was quite a weird thing because yeah. yeah my granddad on my mum's side was quite musical sort of always played some bits and bobs yeah um he he died when i was about 10 um and actually he's the reason i started playing the piano he had um not long before he went he had a sort of ele- electric organ there up in the house right yeah yeah, um, yeah. up country where they lived and um, I think I'd gone to stay with my nan and granddad that sort of for a little while. And I was just noodling about on this piano. And they were actually, oh, you know what? Take that back to Cornwall with you. So <laughs> we sort of had to cram in. And I'm sat in the back seat of the car with the sort of Bon Tempe organ sort of rammed in next to me. Is that one of those ones where it's got like the fan inside? I, yeah, it did have a fan. Definitely. It was very, very noisy and very heavy. Yeah. my my oh, Ours was really light. My <laughs> nan gave me one because ah. my, my parents aren't especially musical but my nan and granddad definitely are and um my nan has been playing like the organ for something insane like 85 years or something yeah it's it's pretty intense um but she gave us this uh like really lightweight organ with a fan in it (laughs) and the fan was so loud and if you push too many keys it didn't work oh wow so it goes like (laughs) do 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 it just that's it the process of memory has had enough <laughs> yeah yeah i do remember you had to have it a certain volume to hide the fan but it weighed a ton it was uh quite oh, hefty really? um but that that lasted for a good while i think it finally sort of conked out it got this sort of funny little glitch where all the b flat keys just suddenly went really really weird and then all the e flats right, went yeah, and yeah. it's like the circuits were just yeah. gradually just went but um they obviously didn't approve That's of Teenage great. Charm playing Oasis on it, I guess. I don't really know. So. <laughs> I think most things don't approve of Oasis, so I don't, I don't blame it. I don't blame it. I'm letting other people know my uh, your musical um, dislike taste. for a band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anything but. Yes. So, um, so you kind of started on the flute and then went over to the recorder. When did you first then move over to string instruments and strings wise i think i was in about the end of year eight i think and someone that my stepdad worked with loaned us a guitar i I don't quite know how it came about it was just like one day we went over to the house to pick up a guitar and i I don't recall it coming from me but i think obviously it was someone they worked with they're like oh she should she should learn the guitar let's let's borrow a guitar so i borrowed a guitar from them for a little while and it was like a little three-quarter size herald sort of one of the sort of small cheap and cheerful yeah yeah and 
again, being sort of teenage into the guitar bands or the Britpop stuff and stuff like that, I just kind of taught myself to play right, yeah. from some of the sort of piano vocal books and ta- sort of the tab books and that kind of thing, really. So, I guess you already had like a lot of the ear training and the notation maybe a bit from the from the flute a little yeah, bit of theory behind you that, so that, so picking up the guitar wasn't too yeah, bad yeah that definitely crossed over the a lot of it was from chord boxes that that was sort of how I taught myself to play was sort of finding finding my way on the chord boxes and then yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of transferring the the reading the music with the notes on the strings and everything so yeah did, did you have like formal lessons on flute and I and yes I had flute or? lessons uh, in primary school the recorder was kind of like the recorder club at lunchtime which yeah, yeah. I did the beginners recorder club and then to my to my shame I stopped intermediate recorder club because I didn't like the teacher this is going to become a recurring right, yeah. theme and then I realized yeah. that if I wanted to join <laughs> senior recorder club with the teacher I liked I had to learn to read music and this is where prop number two comes which is really handy uh, <laughs> on an audio only uh, format it was a book called how to That's read right. music that i got given for like my 10th birthday i think and i oh still refer to this now it's a brilliant brilliant oh book. really yeah it's kind of got all sorts in there it, and it's not like it's not like one of those like have you ever seen like the old beetle arrangements for classical guitar uh no uh i've got one here somewhere that my nan gave yeah. me and it's um it's so hard to read because it's it's obviously written by someone who grew up in like very proper English in the fifties and sixties yeah. and it's um it's intense. Like it's so <laughs> intense. Um I can't I can't read the music in it yeah. because it's so ostentatious. Oh, yeah. Like it's ostentatious. Like it's just like so full of everything that it just I, I don't know. Have you ever come across like the Atuna Day series? That kind of thing. It's very much yeah. that sort of sounds yeah, like yeah, yeah. Um, the yeah, sort of thing it where is. it's beginners yeah. playing the instrument, but whether you're a child or an adult, you will learn the same way. And here's all these words on the page, and you're just looking at yeah. cross eyed, like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, it, but like I said, even the notation, it's like they've they've put every single like bit of articulation is written down on the page, yeah. you know? Like if it just, if it was just the note, it would be fine but they've put like the exact finger you should be using and how much pressure you need and this note is louder than this note (laughs) information overload when you're just trying to process what that note is on that line on that funny thing on the page that looks like tadpoles on a ladder it's um it's a lot to take in as a young person yeah yeah but that particular book um yeah i sort of taught myself to read music so that i could get into senior recorder ensemble and sit on the mats and play recorder and assembly so my my drivers were less than sort of musical Life goals. <laughs> yeah. in the beginning it was not the most musical drivers but it, it was the realization through playing music that actually i like this i seem to be kind of good at this maybe i should do more with it yeah yeah and um one of the teachers in primary school did actually say to my parents that look you know you because I was playing the recorder, you really want to get her onto a sort of proper, a decent instrument. You know, sort of, she's, she's got music. <laughs> a real she can instrument. do stuff. You want to get her on a proper instrument, I think, with the exact words. The classic thing that everyone gets told with it's, it's like ukulele in oh, some totally, ways as well, yeah. you know. Now, now you've got good at ukulele, you can go you can onto go a, to a real, real guitar. instrument. I know. <laughs> it's, and it's, yeah, yeah. Oh. It's like, well, <laughs> maybe not. There, there's, there, I think it's one of those instruments where it's easy to pick up, so therefore. Yeah. 
you you think that's where it ends but like with any instrument it's kind you of infinite can, it, it goes as far as you can, you can make, yeah, it. make it go and i think yeah. ukulele is definitely replaced recorder as the sort of instrument of choice in primary schools there's a lot more oh, yeah. i mean so going into yeah. primary schools now and you still sort of see the sort of slightly dusty box of recorders in the corner and i think obviously now because of covid because of all the sort of restrictions and the hygiene behind it i think it's one of those things that recorders i think they're going to be they're going to be out of fashion for a little bit longer because of yeah, you know, yeah. it's not like yeah. in primary school you used to just share the box of recorders and then just put it back at the end of the uh, session there's a lot of stuff yeah, there you, you can't, can't do that, do that anymore, now can no. you? <laughs> I think the real draw for ukulele more than anything though is that they can sing and play mm. like I, I think that's almost the like because the downfall of the recorder is that you've got to put it in your mouth yes. and therefore you can't you sing can't do anything else with it and no yeah yeah and i i think like although you know i i did see a video of a guy with like two recorders <laughs> and he beatboxed that was pretty That's, impressive like yeah, life goals it was pretty cool but yeah i think that the real change for the ukulele i do think it is more to do with the fact that they, they can, can sing, sing. it's more it. accessible and i think so you can play more yeah. modern music on it yes i do remember one of the incidents from my childhood where i incurred the wrath of my mum was um sitting in my room I, I'd, I'd progressed onto a walkman by this stage so i had headphones in sitting in my room sort of playing along to it on my walkman i didn't realize the clocks had gone forwards so it was, if in a sense oh, right. it, was, it was about six thirty in the morning and i'm there trying to play along to like total eclipse of the heart or something on, on the recorder <laughs> next thing i know the door flies open mum comes in grabs the window flies open whoing, and just lands in the ground like a javelin <laughs> just sat there like i was gonna say the last time you saw that recorder it's, it's <laughs> i just the visual is burnt on my memory just kind of stuck in the floor like a javelin she got a good couple of meters on that it was it was impressive <laughs> uh, that's pretty great so we we've got kind of up to you doing acoustic guitar yes, now and i i guess you're on the way out of secondary school by this um, sort of point is it so or? with with guitar it's sort of sort of end of year eight and over the summer holidays then that oh, i really right, got okay. into it and yeah, um yeah. i went to helston school and it's sort of quite a, a very big busy music department there so one of the things that the real flagship ensemble was the helston school jazz orchestra i think it still is in fact it's a you know a big ensemble Anyone who yeah, works for C- at CMST who went to Helston School has been through, been through ensemble. Verena, Verena Watkiss, Ross Hamilton, myself. Yeah, I think there's a few other people as well. Um, Luana Thrussell. We were all sort of came through the jazz orchestra at some stage or another, and at yeah. that time, they the guitarist in the jazz orchestra was in the year below me. And he was amazing. So there was, right. I had absolutely no chance of getting in there on the guitar. <laughs> so I was kind of like, oh, oh, right, okay. So at that point, having not had enough, you know, instruments in my life playing sort of recorder, keyboard, guitar, flute. So, oh, if I play sax, there's lots of saxes in that. Maybe I'll get in that way. So there was a little sort of right, diversion okay. into sax in year 10. Which is quite common for flute players, oh, it's the same it? fingers, yep. So exactly the same thing. It's just, yeah. it's a very very different embouchure mouth technique right yeah yeah of course yes um yes. but by this stage i actually got into the training the junior jazz orchestra on guitar which was great i was like oh okay so i'm in the junior jazz orchestra on guitar i've got my foot through the door maybe i could swap onto sax so i can get into the big band um and then the bass yeah. player in the junior jazz orchestra was ill just before a christmas concert so with a couple of days sort of notice i was like well I'll have a go at the bass part if you want, because bass is more important than guitar <laughs> in the jazz orchestra. Yeah. And this is the point where I discovered I'm a bass player. Right. Because I think it's the first time I'd picked up an instrument, played an instrument and not wanted to play another instrument. I was kind of in there like, uh, okay. do you think? Do you think the 
the like multiple instruments before was maybe like hunting. I think I think there's an you element know, like, of just like, like trying hmm, to find try trying out. Hmm, okay, no. Oh, I like this. Oh, I like this. Oh, that's a bit high and squeaky. Oh, I like this. And then yeah, sort of gradually working my way down. Yeah. And discovering strings are just the way forward. So. And the fewer strings, the better. Four is the magic number. Four is the magic <laughs> number. And then, so you were on double bass then. Did, uh, did you manage to stay on double bass? It was bass or? guitar for that one, actually. Oh, right, bass guitar. Double bass is a bit later. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> that, that's another story. Um, so That's another strange story. Oh, it's, it's, it's all linked. Um, so, yeah, on bass guitar <laughs> in the jazz orchestra at that stage. So that was my first experience of depping. Um, so depping for yeah. sort of people listening who might not know is when you step in and you cover for another musician. Um, um, a lot of my career has started out with depping in some form or another. So I'm here to kind of yeah. preach the art form, as it were, of depping. Cause well, well, I think depping is like, if, if you can't dep, it, you are cut off in a lot of ways from 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 experiencing different music it's, it's the experiences Be- and also the the sort of yeah. doors that it opens by being able to step in at the last minute and cover something else or sort of stand in and that kind of thing yeah i think likewise i think i've had absolutely loads of gigs and got on loads of work afterwards just from stepping yeah. in and doing my bit for the time absolutely it is a art form in itself it's, it completely but. is there's just so many elements of that discipline that things that make you a very good musician overall it's something that is yeah. you know everyone can learn from and i think it's good for everyone to sort of step in and cover and dep at some stage in their career because it does sort of push you on as a musician i think yeah and i mean people do it all the way to the end of their oh, career totally. you know like yeah. like the, there's some um who is it like flea from the red hot yeah. chili peppers also played on the Mars Volta albums. <laughs> Weird. It happened though. And it's one of those things where you would have never known that was him on those albums either. No. You know, he managed to get his head in the space of that band and yeah. not the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And and that's the real skill when it comes to depping is being able to mould yourself yeah. to fit the band totally. as opposed to being a driving force in the band yeah, it's sort and, of being um, yeah sort of fitting to what they want and how they want you to play yeah and yeah slotting into that dynamic rather than sort of like well this is me this is what you get rah and playing playing everything slap style and at the end they're going yeah we're a folk band that doesn't fit so um yeah there's nothing there's <laughs> nothing wrong with slap Sean. Yeah, I know. you know a bit of slap in a folk song absolutely perfect <laughs> i'm only saying that because i can't storm. slap <laughs> i still can't do it you've given me how many crash courses uh, and i still haven't quite uh, nailed that yet it's, it's easy <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. So yeah, so that was your kind of first thing, yeah. depping. Did do you think that kind of gave you a bit of a bug for depping then as well, like in the long I, run? It, I think it gave me the confidence to do it because it was only with a couple of right, days' yeah. notice, and it was like, right, okay, here's a bass from the school. Um, I can't even remember what it was now. It was some. It was like a Washburn style sort of black, nice. uh, sort of grey little black crackle sort of effect and i think i remember the action being terrible as well but of course it was the nicest of the bad punch in the school bases so yeah it's sort of being given the music given a bass and right off you go and then going in and doing the concert and sort of saving the day as well which was quite nice <laughs> and then a couple of months later this is when i was in year 10 now uh sorry year 11 um the musicians at helston school one of the music teachers used to also provide musicians for like helston opera group so you'd sort right, of have okay. the pit for the pit musicians, theatre musicians for Helston Opera Group. And you'd sort of yeah. have the sort of core players that were pros. And then they'd sort of fill the numbers and sort of add in some students to, to give us experience and to sort of boost boost the numbers and stuff. 
Yeah, just make it sound a bit bigger without costing yeah. them loads of money, essentially. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, and it's it's yeah. quite fun, actually, because, again, that was someone dropped out um, two weeks before the show. And, right. um, again, it was like, right, Sean, here's a bass, here's the score, see what you can do with it. So it was like... <laughs> You've done that before. Okay, we, we, know, we know you can step up. So, oh, okay. And, you know, just sort of went away, sat down. It was Sound of Music, so it was really quite straightforward for the most part. Right, okay. Um, and, yeah, just sort of sat and played bass guitar for that and did the show. And that kind of set the tone for a lot of things, really, just the sort of stepping in. That, had you played bass since you depped the first time to the second time? Or was it like, did you play the first time and then the second time they handed you a bass and you hadn't played it since that? I think actually after point. the first time, yeah. I swapped with the bass player because she wanted to play guitar right, okay. and I decided I wanted to play bass. So we just basically just swapped seats. Oh, cool, yeah. So I stayed as the bass player in the in the sort of jazz two and then she took over on guitar. That's a bit less intense. <laughs> I, I was like, I thought you would like, oh yeah, leave that one back there and then just jump on it again <laughs> yeah, later on. There you go. I well, know you haven't played this instrument for a couple of months, but oof. Yeah, yeah, there you yeah, go. No, it was, um, there was bass playing in between. Bit of continuity. Yeah. Cool. And, That's awesome. and then sort of unexpected events, sort of two months after that, meant that the bass player in the actual main jazz orchestra had to leave college. So it was like, right, okay, Sean. Here's a massive folder of music. <laughs> Here's my Mustang bass, my 1966 Mustang bass that I'd like you to use. Right. Off you go. And yeah, sort of three weeks before doing a gig in the Royal Festival Hall. Oh my God. So for the music for youth festival. So again, it's kind of like short notice, off you go. <laughs> short notice, lots of pressure. In the middle of sitting my GCSEs as well at this point. So uh, oh, lovely. this is lovely. Yeah. I sort of sat there revising <laughs> for my textiles exam, playing under the sea or something, you know, on the bass, just kind of learning learning these different charts and stuff and so a bit of pressure never hurts though does it you know that that little bit of pressure sometimes just makes you fully commit and concentrate oh, yeah I, I need i need pressure without pressure nothing happens it's, it's quite <laughs> funny it's it's one of those things that I, I look back on it now and i think good grief that how did i do that it's really yeah not appreciating yeah. maybe the enormity of it so i'm just like okay i've got a base let's do this and then suddenly like whoa okay this is quite big <laughs> yeah i think a mixture of pressure and complete oblivion is probably the best way of summing that up. i think um having that background of being able to read really does help yeah. though with, oh, gosh, in those yeah. situations like like you don't have to it takes away the figuring out part which yeah. is sometimes you know half the war when you're trying to f- learn a new song if you, if you can just plonk it in front yeah. of you even being able to just read chords yeah it just gives you that step up straight away totally. you know because straight you've at least got a starting point for your learning process yeah. and i think then when you can read score on top of that yeah. you know you're you're almost handed it all on a plate and yeah. you can make with it as you will you know you know exactly what should be there and what you could probably change yeah and a lot of the stuff as well i mean depending on the circumstances when you're doing depping on something that's scored out generally it's been written out that way for a reason so you know right I've got to play what's on the page I can't deviate from this too much because it might mess with um well in the jazz band for example you've got bass trombones in the same register as you you've got the piano that's also playing in the same register as you um you've got the baritone sax so sometimes you have to really stick to what is written otherwise you're gonna hit hit a note that clashes with one of those instruments that's playing in the same range and register of notes as you and then it kind of gets very muddy and murky and you've got to sort of try and sort that out somehow so yeah and it's the other one is 
especially in jazz music, is when you've got that moving harmony yes. where the bass line has to do a specific movement mm. to to kind of make the chords sound right. Yeah. Otherwise, all the chords lose their kind of tonal centre sometimes Absolutely. and then they're back in yeah. and then it's gone again in the next chord. So, yeah, yeah the, there's definitely a time and a place for reading exactly oh, what's totally. on the page. Yeah. 100%, especially for, I always find musicals. Yeah, theatre stuff. Really, yeah. Like, yeah, you've you've got to be on it with theatre stuff because Absolutely. I always remember I did a performance of Wicked. Oh, wow. And this, this, this song called Popular. Yes. And they take like these long pauses between each of the words, but they... They're pi- it pitches down a, a chord yeah. for each one. Yeah. So if everyone doesn't play the right chord as they say the right word, it sounds yeah. horrific. Absolutely. Just the worst thing in the world. <laughs> but it, but when it's when it's right, it's right. It sounds yeah. really really good. So um yeah, that's definitely a case of yeah must read exactly Absolutely. what's and on the chord. Yeah, in opera you get the sort of recitative where it's sort of a held chord. And you're holding it yeah. underneath and then you've got to hit another chord on a certain note and the singer's going at their right. speed. You've got to be following following your conductor and also keeping an eye on your score and waiting for the, the drop on that downbeat to change. Um, yeah, and that's yeah. so so difficult, reading music and following a conductor. I remember the first time I had to do that and I just couldn't. My my brain just couldn't cope with the fact that I had to. I I remember leaning down really low <laughs> <laughs> and, and looking over the top of the page at the the conductor, but still being able to see the page. It's yeah, it's that, yes that doesn't work. I mean pit pit playing <laughs> and that kind of thing. That's a whole skill in itself as well. Sort of um, yeah, orchestral playing, following a conductor, all all that kind of stuff. It really does. Yeah, it's, there's a whole sort of set of skills in another sort of world really it's, and where um, did you go after yeah. after your secondary school where did you because you did music at college and yes university uh and... university i did a bachelor of music at cardiff university so they're three great years oh. sort of studying there um at sort of in the music department at the university um yeah because there, there is also the royal welsh college of music drama sort of five minutes down the road from the uni and there was always quite a healthy rivalry between the two departments as it were so yeah, I know I know a lot of Welsh guys, yeah. and yeah, I've I've heard, yes, I've heard. <laughs> so you, you went up there, and were you on on electric, or had you moved over to double by then? Or so sort of the next step in the journey after sort of becoming a bass guitarist, playing in um, Helston School Jazz Orchestra, and sort of lots of ensembles then in in school and in in sixth form then because I could read it was that sort of thing it's like oh we need someone for the string ensemble can you just come and come and do this on the rehearsal and then fill it in on the okay yeah <laughs> fine um and that kind of stuff and playing through different things during this time as well I was still doing the shows for Helston Opera Group right and um they did they started doing some like Gilbert and Sullivan type stuff I had a bit of a crash course then in playing double bass um one of the teachers at, at Helston was kind of like ah. Oh, sort of gave me a bit of a sort of heads up on how the finger positions work and where you put your fingers because it is the same ba- same strings as the bass guitar yeah and it, um but it's just working in position yeah. rather than frets so it's like okay so i kind of found my way around on that and they're like do you want to do double bass in uh sort of ruddy gore i was like yeah i'll give that a crack sort of thing so again <laughs> just sort of like borrowed a school bass so i've had this three-quarter size bass in my bedroom for about a year um just playing through various things and noodling about yeah, so that that was where double bass entered my life, as it were. I was kind of like, okay, bass guitar, double bass, this is good. I'm still a first study flautist when I go to uni. Oh, what? So you, when you went to uni, you still went 
as a flutist? I, I auditioned than... and went in as a first study flute. Right, okay. But I thought, oh, I've got the opportunity now to have proper bass lessons with a proper bass teacher. Right. Sort of, they gave me the phone numbers of the two. I had to pay for it, but it was like quite subsidised. So they gave me the phone numbers of sort of two people that came in and did the teaching. So I phoned up from the payphone in the halls of residence as well. So I had to keep putting like 10 P's in to, <sighs> to sort of have this conversation. And I can still kind of picture my bass teacher's voice. Uh, kind of. Who is your bass teacher? It's a lady called Mary Condliffe. Um, she's okay. in the Welsh National Opera. Um, she's nice. been um, in Welsh National Opera for quite a long time, actually. Um, so she's cool. one of the hardcore hardline members she's um absolute phenomenal teacher so she's a legend a teacher who has completely changed my life changed the course that i was on but also inspired me as a teacher and how i do stuff so i can i can still sort of picture her voice when she sort of said okay so so what what do you know already what she's saying i was like i can play a b flat major and an f major scale and she was like right <laughs> okay you know we'll, we'll, we'll sort of see what we can do and that sort of began almost a life lifelong friendship as well really because um, I'm sort of quite pleased to say that obviously through my first year at uni, playing bass with, yeah. with Mary and playing flute, I was sort of becoming more and more demoralised with the flute, more and more with the like the symphony orchestra and stuff like that. Um, for woodwind players in particular, you don't get a chance to do any orchestral playing really until you get to the third year. Um, so right. you've got to kind of just go off and do things. So I was like, right, okay, well, I'll, I'll play bass in the University Symphony Orchestra because there's only three of us. So it kind of got in that way. And the more I sort of did that way throughout the year and the more I had lessons with Mary, I was kind of like, I want to switch to first study bass. Mary was like, right, if you're going to do this, you're going to need to do grade eight. So I was like, right, okay, challenge accepted. So um, after a year of bass lessons and randomness um, in the sort of autumn term of my second year of uni, I did grade eight bass and swapped over to first study bass. Right, yeah. So that was kind of the slightly random, <laughs> random path. But that was double bass. Double bass now, yes. So electric. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I cannot. I I did. <laughs> I had to do as part of my university yeah. some double bass stuff, and my hands do not like double bass. It's I I don't know how anyone copes with the tension over a double bass. <laughs> I it's... like my my basses all have the lowest action physically possible to them and the lightest strings available from a shop shelf if i see a lighter set of strings i buy them (laughs) that that is me Uh, and and the double bass is like my sworn enemy uh, you've got to get the right setup it is kind of all about the setup and how you do it it's i do find i do have a couple of bass students i teach in schools and the instruments you've got in schools, I do actually wonder how some of them manage to get a sound out of these bases, particularly one that I've got working towards grade five at the moment. And um, she was a bit late for a lesson one day. So I was there with the school bass trying to play play what she was playing. I was like, oh, my goodness, this is I'm going to take my hat off to her here because this action's awful. It's really quite hard to sort of move quickly. And then you get to like the high D which would be like fret seven. It's, Some bass players really like that. Like so I've, I've got a couple. <laughs> yeah, I've got a couple double bass player friends, yeah. and their their basses, honestly, <laughs> even their electric basses, I cannot touch. No, their double basses are just ridiculous, and I yeah, I don't understand. I literally one of them his his jazz bass has probably got half an inch clearance up at the no top thanks. fret <laughs> and he's a monster yeah. he's such a good player 
but yeah, I, I, I can't. No, my, I mean, I can't, I can't yeah, tell. my my double bass background is very much classical and sort of symphonic and that sort of thing. So it's a lot lower action, and it's also having the strings that are good for bowing and kind of getting that in. So yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, these guys are like jazz yeah. guys, so I guess they want that more like. That, you get a lot more sharp, sustain and attack, don't note. you, on that, rather than the yeah, sort yeah. of bowed sound and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, that does make sense. Yeah. That does make sense. Through your career then, after school, I guess, were you still predominantly doing a lot of orchestral work? Or is that when you started doing a few more bands and, and being in like more rocky stuff? Or did that not come um, along till later? It's kind of interesting when... When I was actually in uni, um, in sort of second, third year of uni, we sort of formed a bit of a covers band with a couple of my mates, a couple of guys in my year and a singer in the year above me. Um, it was sort of basic. We ended up being called Short Notice because we formed three days before our first gig. So um, <laughs> that was the name we came up with in the dressing room backstage at the Athletics Union Ball. Like, right, what are we called, guys? You know, kind of after a lot of very yeah. dodgy sort of things. It was Short Notice, yeah, yeah. you know, and... We did an EP called Available At. It was short notice. <laughs> <laughs> so that that was very much sort of standard covers band fare then sort of. I think we were a five piece. So it was um, keys, guitar, bass, drums and a singer. Um, yeah, just... And if you're in Wales, you're doing like four or five stereophonic songs again. Actually, I don't think we did any. No. We, we were sort of much more classic like wedding band kind of repertoire rather than anything else. So right. it's... But that, that's a, that is still that is classic wedding band in in Wales. <laughs> they true. love the stereophonics. <laughs> they love yeah. them. So that was quite fun. So we did a couple <laughs> of gigs with with those guys, um, sort of forming, recording an EP, and just sort of doing doing bits and pieces just to sort of get a bit of money in as gigging musicians. Yeah. Um, all the while still playing very classical stuff. Um, getting involved in a little bit of musical theatre, sort of doing some like review shows and being involved in that. And then after I graduated from uni, I moved back to Cornwall for a year to kind of just work and see what was going on. And figure out. Yeah, figure out what's going on. Sort of just worked worked in an admin job that was that was quite nice. Um, and was still doing, sort of trying to get involved in as much orchestral playing as I could. A lot of the playing down here is quite pick-up sort of based. So it would be sort of like yeah. a rehearsal on the Friday and Saturday and then the concert is on the Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. So there was sort of a couple of different orchestras that I sort of go and do go and do stuff with which was quite nice there's not as many kind of like long term you know every week they do a performance type groups down here is no there? i mean there's a couple of sort of community-based orchestras that do do rehearsals every week i think it's penzance orchestral society and i think there's a couple of others dotted around um but for those you're guys you're not gonna make a living doing no it. those guys it is very much people playing for fun and with those yeah. sort of things it's the the actual reliability and being there each week is the kind of important thing it's um yeah, it feels yeah. a little bit cheeky to sort of just rock up like one rehearsal before the concert and then join in because these guys have been yeah. working so hard for a couple of months on the repertoire and it feels a little bit disrespectful to their level of commitment then to just kind of turn up do it and then waltz off again so yeah, yeah i've definitely yeah. done that for a few of those guys i <laughs> <laughs> know what you mean though. Yeah. like you can see they're putting all the hard work in and you're yeah. you're like kind of blasting through whatever yeah whatever's sort of, there and, i don't mind and hoping yeah. it is somewhat what they expect <laughs> I, i've done a few things where i have sort of gone in and depth or it's it's been tricky repertoire so i've been like well i you know i'm kind of busy with private teaching or stuff like that but i can do a couple of rehearsals in the concert if if you're happy to let me come and do that and 
got to play some quite interesting stuff. I got to, finally got to play Berlioz's Symphony Fantastique, which is awesome, awesome symphonic piece. And Tchaikovsky 4 as well. That's a monster of a symphony. So I kind of did get to play some quite fun repertoire off the back of sort of negotiating, going to rehearsals. Awesome. Um, but yeah, so after a year of sort of in Cornwall doing musical theatre stuff and a little bit of orchestral stuff, I thought, actually, I want to try and do this a bit more seriously. So I applied to Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama to do a postgrad in orchestral double bass playing. So I kind of got everything together, got my audition pieces together, got in because bass players, if you're an orchestral double bass player, everywhere loves you because it's one of those things. There's not a lot of us about so opportunities are out there to be grabbed so it's kind of uh, i think that goes for bass players in general yes, doesn't it very I much mean. so <laughs> so yeah went to welsh carl did, did a year of a postgraduate diploma in performance there um i had a fantastic time doing that and again the sort of the last minute stepping in kind of thing with the sort of almost depping style stuff was i got a student placement with the bbc national orchestra of wales right okay. so i actually got to sit in you, the um, student placement scheme was you got to sit in and rehearse with the orchestra so you'd sort of get given your music in advance and you sort of look through it and work out what was going on and it it would be already marked up with the bowing that you were supposed to use and all the different sort of things that you had to then do and then you'd sort of go up and rock along and spend a day, two days, whatever, rehearsing with the orchestra and getting the experience of playing with professional musicians, which was fantastic. Really incredible experience. Cool. That is cool. Especially yeah, when you're sat I, next I to double bass number eight, who's just got the Guardian on the music stand next to him. So he's got his music stand in front of him. Uh, <laughs> and then he's got a second music stand for the sort of, you know, the, the, the newspaper and the Sunday supplement or whatever. It's yeah, doing yeah. the crossword in the uh, rest. Um, uh, it's quite eye-opening. <laughs> But I, I've seen, I have seen that yeah. before, you know, like I, I did some like sitting work in some theatres up in, in Bristol and yeah, like you in between songs, yeah. if if you're not doing very much, they, they've, they're they doing all sorts down oh, there, just no one knows, everyone's sat behind it them. It depends <laughs> on the shows as well, I mean certainly a lot of the older style yeah. shows, there's a lot of gaps between the musical numbers um, and it's not very taxing music, so you do get these massive long breaks, I know sort of number of times I've done Oliver or My Fair Lady and you just or Oklahoma oh, yeah. I think I marked an entire school's worth of books once because I was it was it was a really long show and we had a lot of breaks for dialogue so I, I took my marking in with me because it was in a I was in the Princess Pavilions in Falmouth and the pit barrier was yeah. about six foot high so it was great nobody could see the, the musicians because the pit barrier was as high as the stage so I'm just there like marking all my year three notebooks you know right, okay great yeah just got through like two years worth of marking just over the course of the show uh, did you um you, when you did Oliver did that um that spinning around the lamppost bass line catch you uh, <laughs> that, that massive like chromatic uh, yeah but missing notes as it runs up like <laughs> monster baseline that appears out I've of nowhere I've done Oliver so many times I'm quite it's it's one of those ones um I've done it on bass guitar but I've also played it on double bass quite a lot and right, uh, yeah. it's yeah no it's it's really good fun on the and the coffin music that's quite the sort of yeah going, boop, 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 you sort of all these sort of funky little lines just coming out of nowhere yeah. I quite like that one that that spinning around the lamppost I was not paying attention <laughs> and I was just reading it as we were going yeah and I just flicked the page over just as it was about to happen and I've it was bricks <laughs> it was ridiculous it was Aww. it was not a um it was it was actually fine yeah. I it sounded fine it was okay I probably I definitely missed a few notes <laughs> But <laughs> oh no, I think I think my worst one was, was actually depping on Beauty and the Beast. And there's a bit in the middle oh, yeah. of Be Our Guest, which it I think it goes into tenor clef 
and it's a double speed yeah. sort of thing and it's on a page turn yeah so you're kind of they're playing along yeah, you think yeah, that's absolutely one. fine and it's a really exposed solo and then all of a sudden you turn the page you've changed clef you've changed speed and then it's just like ah! and um yeah i was depping yeah. on that one and i i couldn't i couldn't say what happened <laughs> it was one of those moments <laughs> i think my brain just blocked it out for the good of mankind it's yeah uh, yeah. Yeah, I re- I remember I have done that one and and I do seem to remember there being an absolutely horrible section. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm guessing it's probably, probably that, one. that one. Yeah. No, I I totally get yeah. it. So have we have some of your like favorite performances been more of that symphonic stuff then? Um yeah, I've had some absolutely fantastic chances to sort of play in amazing venues sort of with um the Welsh College, uh, the Royal Welsh College Symphony Orchestra, um, with the University Symphony Orchestra doing St David's Hall. Um, and yeah, just getting to do orchestral stuff has been incredible. Um, I mean, the other thing as well, off the back of the theatre stuff and playing in a covers band, um, then ending up sort of playing pop music in other bands as well and depping for other bands locally. Um, usually yeah. a lot of it's come about through theatre work actually where you've worked with someone in theatre they've been in a band and they've been like oh we need a bass player to cover such and such couple of gigs because uh, you know someone's on maternity leave or something like that um, so I know Ross mentioned a couple of weeks ago Four Tons of Funk yeah, yeah. Um, and I I did a little bit of depping for those guys when their bass player was on paternity leave so that, that was amazing fun getting to go and do that that was a big step out of my comfort zone actually because I'd been in a lot of sort of classic covers band kind of stuff yeah and then suddenly having to really play this all-out, in-your-face funk bass lines, it was like, well, this is a lot more exposed and technical than I would normally be playing. But it was a fantastic... Yeah, and you're really, you're really high in the mix oh, there, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, you are like, you, you driving can't, You it. can't hide yourself. Yeah, so it was, <laughs> it was a really good boost for me as a bass player to go out and play this all-out funk stuff, in-your-face bass lines that everyone knows. And it's like, okay, that sort of boosts your confidence a little bit, sort of going on and doing yeah. things like that that's outside your comfort zone. Yeah, I I do love the funk. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of the funk. Yeah. Well, funk and rock. Yeah, funk and rock. But then, but both of them are pretty driving on Absolutely. the on the bass yeah. front, and and even more modern pop now. I think the bass has come forward again. Yeah. I think it was forward back at the beginning, kind of dipped out of not dipped out entirely, but you know went I further think some back. Of it into it the went mix. quite synth bass for a while, and didn't it? it? And then the up. kind of its its yeah. resurgence of it again now. Um, yeah, I almost feel like kind of in the 80s, the bass became much more of a, it was much more locked in with the kick. Yeah. And I I think that was the main yeah. thing, you know, is that, that that bass line was so locked in with the kick that it was essentially the kick. Yeah. <laughs> you just kind of <laughs> you following know, like that. If, yeah, you just kind of yeah, programmed yeah, in with yeah, that yeah. and that's that. Yeah. yeah. And then I think it. I think it's come back out now. I think there's some. I think there's some really cool bass lines in pop music some, now. Yeah, really, really interesting stuff out there. Yeah. What was, what was your biggest gig then? What was what was the most people in front um, of you? I'm trying to think now because <laughs> carrying on the depping journey, um, moving from depping for four tons of funk, and I depped for a couple of local folk bands and some singer songwriters locally. Um, off the back of that, about three and a half years ago. Um, I saw a post or I got tagged in a post on Facebook and it was a band called the Good Old Fashioned Lover Boys, Queen Tribute Band. Um, they put up a post. Their bassist had just been scout off his bike and sort of broken his collarbone, broken his... It was in an absolute mess. <sighs> and they were supporting the darkness like three days later. So the post went up on the Monday and they were doing a oh support slot for the darkness at the watering hole on the Thursday, 
and sort of saying <laughs> any bassist out there want to do this and someone that i'd done some theater stuff had tagged me in that post and i was like oh if they're up for a female John Deacon, I'll give it a crack. You know, that sounds like a laugh. And it turns out their keyboard <laughs> the player... Parallel universe. Yeah, uh, parallel universe. Their keyboard player is someone I've done theatre work with. So off oh, the back cool. of that, I kind of got a phone call saying, yeah, okay, we're rehearsing tomorrow. This is the set. So I kind of spent the whole... T- Luckily, it was in the summer holidays. So this sort of frantic Tuesday sat listening to all these Queen songs, trying to write down chords and getting everything written up and sort of frantically ready for a rehearsal that evening. Um, sort of went up to the, the rehearsal room, sort of sat in, did the rehearsal, and they were like, okay, this is all right, this is going to work, we're going to be okay. Um, and then spent <laughs> the next two days, pan- you know, still c- trying to learn more and more and more of the set, get, oh, trying yeah, to memorise it, because I was there with my notebook in front of me, kind of like with the chord progressions. And Queen is really, really tricky, because it sounds so simple, but then it doesn't go where you expect it to go. You're no, sort of following it. No. And the other thing is they never end the phrase the same way twice. No, no. So you get to the end of verse one and it ends in a certain way. Am I going A to a D? You get to the end of verse two, it's a D yeah. to an A. You get to the end of verse three, it's an E to an yeah. A or something. You're like, ah, trying to find your yeah, way yeah. through it's that cl- It's that classic thing where like um, when you write something, it's easy. Yeah. And you have to learn <laughs> someone else's playing. Yeah. It's never quite so easy, is no. it? And, and I, think they, I think they're very instinctual in the way that they, yeah. they wrote stuff. And therefore, there is like a lot of variation through the song. So if you're going to play them exactly yeah. by the book, you know, yeah. there's a lot to, oh, so to, much take, to take in. in. So, yeah, I think yeah. in terms of my biggest gig, it was it was that sort of stepping into a Queen tribute band with three days notice with the darkness watching you um, <laughs> was quite <laughs> scary. But again, yeah. did it. Been there, done that. Got the photo as proof. Um and depth for the guys a couple of ge- you know depth for that band a couple of times again over that summer and the following summer and then two years ago now three years ago now I actually joined the band so it's uh, depping has actually led into you, the musical musical job now you became the real the real John Deacon <laughs> known as Jane Deacon yeah uh, is that what they call you uh, amongst other things I can't repeat the rest this is a family <laughs> podcast I can't repeat the other names uh, just Jane Deacon JD yeah. <laughs> I like I like that. I yeah. like that. Or Joan. Like yeah. That. And you've done some cool like um I saw like a video where you're in a big studio space or something, weren't you? Or it was a theatre space? Yes. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, we've like. been um one of the things that the guys have been quite keen on doing, um, they've been talking about before I joined the band was developing it into a theatre show. And actually rather than just being a right, big yeah, band yeah. doing the gigs and the festivals, it's like, well let can we develop our own theatre show? using that not not kind of a we will rock you with a story and a narrative but actually kind of we do it as queen through the decades so we sort of start with the early 70s stuff and the really flamboyant backroom costumes and flouncing about and all that kind of stuff and then developing into sort of the more 80s and the synthy stuff and kind of running that across two sets then and building up that's a cool idea i mean and and I think I think that's a nice way to do a tribute yeah. as well because it's a bit more like you can follow it a bit more. It's a bit less like here's all the hits. Yeah, it's a it's it's, it's got a bit of a yeah. kind of um, a progression that's, to it. You know, you can see yeah. how they developed as musicians. Totally, yeah, and see the way the songs build and how everything yeah builds up on top of that. Yeah. Have you got any um Have you got any tips for learning songs? Tips quicker? for learning because songs quickly. It's, it it seems it seems like that's what your um it does your, seem to your, be a bit of a uh, specialism. <laughs> <laughs> your specialism is learning a song with exceptional speed. <laughs> I find I'm someone who has to write everything down. So if I've got to learn the right. lyrics to a song to sing it in the band or something, then I have to write the lyrics down. If I'm 
doing the baseline. I sort of usually write the chords in above. A lot of the time it's just sitting and listening. Um, I'd say my pro tip on this is to have really good headphones so that if you're, you can, uh, right, you've got a chance okay. of picking out what it is you're listening to, particularly bass, because it's not something that always comes across in little earbuds or anything like that. So having the massive over-ear good headphones with good bass drivers you can pick out the bass lines a little bit shout. more you can hear what you're doing so that's a really good shout and that actually going one step beyond that as well i always like to be able to monitor myself through the same headphones yeah. because you can hear with phase yeah you can hear if you're playing the wrong note not from necessarily knowing it's the wrong note but you'll hear phasing yes. issues so um i like to monitor myself and the track yeah. in my headphones just because that way it's really obvious if you make it's a mistake or if something's not yeah. quite right. Whereas if you've got two speakers firing at yeah. you, it, it all gets a bit more difficult on that front. Yeah, it's it's been quite funny with, because obviously with COVID and not gigging, we've um, in the band, we've sort of taken a lot more time to sort of stop, go back over the songs, relearn some harmonies and bits and pieces. And I got given some really nice headphones for Christmas. Um, and suddenly it's listening back to some of these things. I was actually in the kitchen doing the washing up with these headphones on, listening away. And it was suddenly the clarity of hearing some of these harmonies that I hadn't noticed before. But because it was really clear in the headphones, I was like, oh, OK, I need to write this down now. Sort of knee deep in washing, like, kind yeah. of, hang on. Oh, oh, I need to get this down. This is, you know, being able to hear <laughs> the stuff you needed to, to get written down. So for me, it's writing everything down. Yeah, if it's a gig where I haven't got the score in front of me, it's writing it down and listening to it lots. Actually, just getting to know the songs really, really well from listening to them. Because I think even if you've got that, you kind of internalise the structure a little bit and then yeah. you've got more chance of sort of fitting it together with other musicians if you get get to rehearse it with them. In terms yeah. of depping on a, like a show or in a something that's got a written score, it's kind of making notes. You've got your stuff there, being as prepared as you can, listen try listening to the soundtrack or anything like that beforehand so you get a feel for where some of some of the tricky things might be just the general speed style tempo of the pieces is always really useful i really do think that's a that's a great about doing your homework yeah yeah transposing in general oh yes just really (laughs) useful really useful skill yeah you know if you can if you can pick apart a song you're yeah. you're instantaneously like we said earlier you're like another step ahead it's it's a very very useful skill super useful skill so we're kind of um on the near the end of the podcast now i guess we'll yeah. go for the final question right. which is normally a fairly long one yep. because it's it's quite a big yeah. one it's it's how does music affect you as an adult now we we talked about when you were young and you were always listening to the fm radio it sounds like you're still listening to music now so so how does it affect you as an adult what yeah what what role does it play in your life it's quite even beyond playing it it. um it's quite interesting because left to my own devices i'm quite i'm i will sort of steer towards sort of prog and rock and some that's sort of side of the musical spectrum that's that's kind of my comfortable territory so a lot of it we do tend to have quite a lot of rock on in the house a lot of rock and alternative and a bit of metal and all that kind of stuff that we tend to listen to yeah in terms of music, I obviously was listening to a lot of Queen because it's learning the repertoire, um, sort of yeah. <laughs> gradually sort of collecting all the it's Queen well, albums. It's like, well, I'm in a Queen tribute band. I need to know more than the hits. 
So yeah, it's part and par for course when you're in a tribute oh, band, yes, isn't it? You know, you got to live the life. Oh, the amount of stuff <laughs> that people find for you for Christmas as well—it's it's staggering. <laughs> <laughs> it's all these random little bit like Queen in Cornwall or sort of a random little book that mentions Roger Taylor somewhere, or kind of a T-shirt with yeah, Queen yeah. printed on it, and that that kind of stuff. You know, it kind of the the kind of the merchandise out there is really quite something else there's there's all sorts all yeah. sorts going on there my gr- my granddad saw queen in um in a bunker on the middle of davidstowe oh, air brilliant which was apparently was really really early I can imagine, yeah they, they got lot they got lost in the middle of davidstowe <laughs> or something really Easily random <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Apparently, it was really, really early, and he was like, "Oh, I wish I still had the poster. Oh, I bet, I bet oh, that poster would be worth insane money, wouldn't yeah. it? I, I can't even imagine it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is they that were funny? definitely down. Yeah. Everyone's, especially at gigs as well. You know, everyone's got a Queen or a Roger, Roger Taylor connection. Yeah. with the local stuff, and it's, it's, it is quite funny the stuff that people come up to us and say after gigs, sort of. Oh, you know, you know Roger Taylor's from Truro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. I did realise yeah, that. Yeah, Someone I, I taught told at his school, once. not when he was there, obviously, because I'm quite a lot younger than him. <laughs> but I did know that. They're, they're quite proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. So, so music's still kind of around yeah. you your day to day life. Do you yeah. still find much time for practicing, or or is it is your practicing more like you say focused towards the Queen stuff now? and getting that kind of nailed down yeah it's very much a focused thing now if I have to practice something I kind of pick out sort of look over the music pick out the tricky parts pick out the bits that I know I'm going to need to start working on um, and looking through it a lot of the time with the theatre stuff you might get the score two weeks before the show so you get that little bit of time to skim through it look for the tricky bits um I find actually it's it's the more modern shows are the ones that need more work stuff like kind of oliver or sound of music my fair lady oklahoma sort of yeah mgm musical sort of that kind of those kind of films the bass parts aren't that taxing so you know you're kind of just being one five one five for most of it in whatever key um but when you get something like legally blonde or hairspray or sort of the modern shows they're they're sort of scored a lot more intricately um and like the rock shows um something like jesus christ superstar um evita all those kinds of things there's so much more complicated stuff in the score that you do need to sit down and look at and actually kind of play it through sometimes with the soundtrack sometimes that doesn't work because they've changed the key and you're sat there thinking this doesn't sound right because everything's a tone out yeah i i had that when i was practicing for um school or doing it i was practicing the electric guitar parts and i was going through them i was like this doesn't this (laughs) doesn't sound like and i'm like oh they've like drop tuned all yeah. their guitars by half a step or something yeah. i was like oh god well, the other thing is where um certainly a lot of the ones that go on tour um they'll sort of reorchestrate it for it to go out on the tour because it'll be a smaller orchestra um yeah. and then while they've done that they'll oh, we'll just change the key of that as well and you're kind of listening to the soundtrack going okay yeah 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 no 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 <laughs> no 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 it's just not right <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Along to it. yeah. Or they've, or they just slightly played it different on that recording. Or the, or the cuts you know, as the well. The one recording where that's yeah, available. Or where you've got the massive cuts in there because obviously there's a big swathe of dialogue in oh, the original, yeah. and they're kind of like, yeah, on the cast yeah. recording, we're going to sort of chop out this sort of five minutes of dialogue and just cut to Bath 673. Um, so yeah, finding your way around that. You lose all the like little background yeah. stuff, don't you, and all that. Yeah, yeah. No, that is hard. That is hard. Cool. Well, it's been awesome chatting to you anyway, yes. Sean. 
I hope you, whoever is listening to this has managed to gain a bit of inspiration while listening to the podcast. Go grab their instrument. Yeah, yeah. maybe transcribe something like Sean said or yeah. yeah, have a listen to some stuff and get it stuck in your brain before you have a play of it. And um, remember everyone, every path leads to your goals eventually. You just need to take them all. And until next time, I'll see you there. Bye.